Hi, and welcome to Cedar Mill Online. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, my name is Ashley and I'm the outreach pastor here. And I'm so grateful to be with you today. I just wanna take a quick moment to thank you for how you've been loving and serving our neighbors throughout what has been a strange and very tough time for many of us. It's been so encouraging to me and the rest of the Cedar Mill team to see how you guys are as a church becoming like Jesus and making him known in the midst of abnormal and troubling circumstances. You know, for me, there have been many times throughout this COVID reality that I felt like I'm starring in some sort of sci-fi apocalyptic movie. The surrealness of all of this has been hard to stomach at times. I personally have had moments of great grief over the state of our world and the pain of people lost and suffering over COVID-19. But the reality of how we live right now is tough. But I am hopeful because I'm convinced that God is in the process of pruning and refining us, not only individually, but as the church. And this is so that we can be more fruitful in the days ahead. I truly believe this. This isn't the first or the last time we will see tough and challenging circumstances as the body of Christ. In fact, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but 2020 will be full of many other challenges outside of COVID-19. In fact, some of you were probably going through some challenges before this pandemic hit. But here's some great news. From Genesis to Revelation, God's people walked through many challenging times, times when maybe they felt like they wanted to give up and turn away from him, times when kings were trying to kill them or convince them to look to other things to be the solution of their situation. And throughout it all, God never left his people. They came out victorious and we can rejoice over this reality. It's important for us to remember that God is with us, tangibly in presence and in power, and he is in full control. Last week, Pastor Dave kicked off the book of Daniel for us, and Daniel, as you've already seen, will continue to find himself, just like we do, in some very challenging circumstances where his faith and devotion to God would be challenged by what was going on in and around him culturally in Babylon. Daniel was placed in the middle of circumstances that weren't normal to him. However, in the middle of these abnormal circumstances, God asked Daniel to hold fast to divine normalcy, the kind of normal that's only found in Jesus and his way. You see, God's character never changes, and no matter what troubling or confusing things took place around Daniel, he believed and trusted in the character of God. Likewise, we too are to be people that remain steadfast, never shifting with changing winds of circumstances or the changing winds of our cultural climate. Paul writes, uh, writes to us in Ephesians 6.13 to take up the full armor of God so that we can withstand in the evil day and stand firm. And Daniel is a great example of this. But practically, church, 
How do we remain true to God and who he's asked us to be in the midst of these troubling times that have the potential to lead us astray or throw us off balance? The book of Daniel gives us wisdom on how to do exactly that. As we head into chapter 2, verses 1 through 23, it's important for us to remember that the city of Babylon represents everything that is antagonistic towards the kingdom of God. And Daniel and his friends are standing in solidarity, directly opposed to everything Babylon has to offer. When we come to chapter 2 of Daniel, our focus shifts from him to King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had been reigning for two years. And at the beginning of chapter two, we find King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. And this dream, as the text says, disturbed the king and caused him to lose sleep. Many of us can probably relate to this. Have you had a dream that woke you up in the middle of the night and kept you up? And then the day passes and you're still thinking about this dream and then you're dreading going back to sleep at night because you're afraid that you might have the dream again. I've been there, and that's where we find Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I want to pause and just let you know that I'm not going to read all of chapter 2 this morning, but I want to encourage you to read both chapters 1 and 2 to look over the, the, the life of Daniel and really reflect and challenge yourself to think through some of these principles and how they apply to today's cultural climate. Okay, so back to the dream. Dreams in the ancient world were thought to be shadows of future events. A king's dream particularly had significance for the nation as a whole. So as you can imagine, the interpretation of the dream was super important because dreams were seen as instructions for how to be ready for future events that the dream anticipated. So King Nebuchadnezzar, desiring to know what his dream meant, commands the musicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers be brought to him, not just to interpret his dream, but to actually relay to him the, the very content of the dream. So they go before the king. And something really interesting happens here. They can't do it. These people who were thought to be experts in the field of dream interpretation couldn't tell the king his dream. They end up telling him in Daniel 2.10, verses 10 through 11, this, there is no one on earth who can do what the kings ask. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except gods, and they do not live among humans. This naturally made King Nebuchadnezzar furious, and he, as with most kings, threw a kingly tantrum and decided that all the wise men of Babylon should be gathered and killed. This decision, of course, would directly impact Daniel and his friends. Verse 213 says that they sought Daniel in order to kill them, him and his friends. When, king, when, kings, when the king's men find Daniel, though, do you know what he does? He replies with wisdom and tact and with composure. And Daniel asks why the decree of the king was so urgent. The king's captain replies and explains to Daniel 
that the king had decreed to kill all the wise men because he'd had a dream and no one had been able to interpret it. So then Daniel went to his house and he gathered his friends and they began to pray for insight, knowing with confidence that God would provide. You know, as I read chapter two of Daniel, God began to highlight two things. And those two things that he began to highlight were this. One, how not to respond in times of trouble and uncertainty. And two, how to respond in times of trouble and uncertainty. And I wanna spend some time on each of those two points. So let's get to it, how not to respond. Sometimes when we don't get the answers we need or want, we let our restlessness and our frustrations get the best of us. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, once that happens, we tend to turn to sources outside of God and towards the things of this world to fix our circumstances or to give us insight and wisdom on those circumstances. Nebuchadnezzar looked to magicians and sorcerers and astrologers, and we aren't looking to those things necessarily. But what are some of the things that we look for? for wisdom and insight. Some of us may look to the news, the next self-help podcast. We may look to ourselves. We may look to science or other faith traditions, or we may even look to our government or to our president to provide all the answers we need to navigate a tough situation. However, it's important for us to know, especially right now, that looking to things outside of God, to worldly systems created by humanity before looking to God, will never give us the kind of answers that bring eternal peace, divine insight, and assurance. That strategy didn't work for Nebuchadnezzar, and it won't work for us. Peace, insight, assurance, and certainty come from God and God alone. And as Jesus followers, we can walk in all of those things because we have a relationship with him as well as the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. One of the beliefs that was prevalent in Babylon was that God did not dwell among humanity. This belief is reflected in verse 211. Remember when the musicians and astrologers of the king responded to his request to interpret the dream? Do you remember what they said? No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. And that belief was something that God used Daniel to prove wrong. As we see later on when he actually relays the content and interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. God's presence is with us, and because of that, we have access to heavenly wisdom. And that leads us to my second point, how to respond in times of trouble and uncertainty. In chapter 2, we see Daniel respond in three ways. The first is with faith, wisdom, and tact. As it says in verse 14, Daniel goes to the king and asks for time so that he could interpret the dream. Daniel truly believed that God would give him the content and meaning of the king's dream. He trusted in God's wisdom because he believed God's character to be true, 
He knew that God provided and that he could be trusted with all things. Daniel 2.21 says he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Even though the lives of Daniel and his friends were in danger, he didn't let fear, anxiety, or cowardice move him to respond compulsively. He used faith, wisdom, and tact, which are the very opposite of compulsiveness, and we must do the same. You see, church, compulsiveness motivated by fear and anxiety and cowardice lead to regret. Nebuchadnezzar, in his compulsiveness and frustration, gives an order to have all the wise men of Babylon killed. And clearly, this was not a good decision made by someone who was thinking wisely or with any measure of self-control. To have all the wise men killed would not just have had effects on the present day, but on the future as well. Church, right now, during this pandemic, our decisions matter, and they have consequences. As Jesus followers, during times of crisis, we must practice self-control, which, by the way, is one of the fruits of the Spirit that, unfortunately, we don't talk about enough. We need to practice self-control with our speech, our thinking, with our responses to whatever comes our way in the days ahead as we navigate these times. If not, we will cause harm to the body of Christ and to our communities, not just in the here and now, but in the future as well. The second thing that Daniel did that was different than King Nebuchadnezzar was that he didn't gather sorcerers or astrologers or look to things that the world would give to give insight. Instead, Daniel gathered his friends and they began to pray, seeking God for clarity and understanding about the situation that was taking place. As believers, we are to always to turn first toward God in prayer for wisdom and everything else that we may need because we know that he hears our prayers and he provides for us. We are, as it says in Matthew 6, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, meaning God will take care of us no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, God will provide. And by seeking God, we gain wisdom and provision for times just like the one we're in now. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says that blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love that Daniel's go-to mode was to always go to the Lord first. 
And what was really cool about the way he sought after God was that he decided not to operate alone in this circumstance, but to seek the Lord with friends. And this brings me to my third and final point on how to respond. We're not meant to navigate crisis by ourselves. We need each other. We've been hearing the saying, we're all in this together for weeks now. As the church, this statement has profound meaning for us, and we shouldn't say it tritely. We have been called to unity and togetherness through the blood of Jesus. We cannot navigate this season alone, nor should we try. It would be unfruitful and unbiblical to do so. Just like Daniel and his friends, we must stand together. And I know that in a time of physical distancing, that this is challenging for many of us. But we can't let this time lead to greater isolation and separation within the church. Make those phone calls, FaceTime with those friends, set up that prayer time or that dinner party or that dance party via Zoom. Be wise, but get creative. And if the opportunity comes along to serve and advocate for the marginalized, please do so. Continue to confidently hold fast in solidarity with the body of Christ where God has placed you, knowing that through his spirit, he will give you the power and strength needed to never be shaken in times of trouble. Something that is so profound about Daniel is that he didn't let the cultural shifts of Babylon shape him. And because of that, God used him to usher in a godly culture, a culture that exalted and reflected the character of God to many who did not know him. I want to remind us that we have a great opportunity in this season to tell others where they can find certainty and hope. This is a time for the people of God to rise up in ways that have not yet been seen in our lifetime to walk firmly in God's truth, proclaiming the love, peace, and grace of Jesus Christ in areas of our communities and the world that were previously closed off to the gospel. So before I close, I want to encourage us, let's continue to be bold and courageous like Daniel in the days ahead, holding fast to our faith, responding to every circumstance wisely and tactfully, and never neglecting together in unique ways, fearing nothing and seeking Christ first in all things as we encourage others to do the same. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Before we close and Dave comes to lead us in a time of communion, please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us in these days, Lord. We just ask for courage, we ask for strength, and we ask for a divine awareness of your presence and wisdom to be able to lead our family, our friends, and the church through this time. 
Lord, we give you all the glory, and we know that your name is going to be exalted in all the earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.